Well, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 3, chapter 33. And uh, I'm going to call my talk tonight, Lead Like Moses. Um, I, I believe that we are in great need right here and right now for leaders. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about leadership tonight. Let's pray together and then we'll dive in. God, we do love you so much. and God, we are so committed to reaching young people in this city. Father, we want to be an expression of you to the hurting, to those that have intentionally rejected you. God, to those who have once tasted of you and now are living in sin. God, we tonight as the mill just come before you desperate to be an authentic expression, a relevant expression, a holy expression. God, we want to be a community of people, Lord God, that are filled with passion and declare it to the people that go to the universities, that work in the restaurants, that are young business professionals in this area. And so we pray for strength. God, we don't want to strive and grit our teeth and do something for the kingdom. But God, we do want to be filled by your spirit and out of an overflow mode, really authentically transform a city. And so grant us grace as we open your word tonight. Grant us strength. God, let us be living answers to the prayers we pray. Amen. Lifeway Research, it's a Baptist organization, and they've recently put out a a survey that says that, a research survey that says that two-thirds of young people age 18 to 22 um, right now, two thirds that used to, when they were in teen, when they're in their teen years, attend church, do not now. So two thirds have quit going to church. And so you've probably heard statistics like that, and you've probably thought, okay, well, that you could probably put names to people that you know that at one time they went to church, at one time they were in active community and pursuing God, and. Now they're not. Now they're the kind that says, hey, I'm not into that. Many will say, I'm into God, but I'm not into church. That's kind of a common, um, that's kind of a common theme that's kind of developed in, in our age group and our generation. And that's, that's emerging and that's happening. And I, I think that these kids, I mean, we're talking about not, not like lost, don't know anything about God. We're talking about kids that played chubby Bonnie in youth group. I guess that was some of you. Some of you are like, I never played that game, but I I resonate. I feel that tonight. All right. Uh, I'm chubbier than I was when I was a teacher. Anyway, so that's what I feel. But anyway, all right. So uh, they played Chubby Bunny. They Velcroed themselves up against the wall. They they sang, you know, DC Talk. Uh, I don't want your sex for now. They they were that tribe. They had a youth pastor, uh, went to youth camp. Every, every, you know, Wednesday night, did the fellowship hall thing at the church. And they're, they're really kids that have tasted of God. I mean, they, 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 they know that God probably is real. At least they had a religious expression in their teen years. And right now, we're losing lots of them. Right now, we have our generation, your generation, mine, that in mass is kind of saying, hey, I'm... I'm kind of interested in supernatural. I'm kind of interested in God. Not really interested in the community of faith. Some of them have straight up rejected God. That's one of the things that's been shocking to me is, as I've connected with many of my old buds through Facebook or whatever. There's so many that have turned back. And so I'm, I'm literally just kind of honestly in my own journey. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. For God to raise up in our midst. I'm not talking theoretical. I'm not talking about kind of a prayer movement that's somewhere out there over the rainbow. God's going to raise up a movement. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in our midst. Us being an expression that contends with that disillusionment that exists in our generation. Tonight, I just want to talk about how do you and I be leaders? I mean, the kind of person that shows up on July 4th weekend to the mill, you're, inevitably you're a, a person that's like, I'm into the God thing. Surely you're someone that's kind of said, I've come to faith. We may have visitors here tonight that are not, but many of you that are here tonight, you're into the God thing. You're a yes, you know, I'm in. Count me in. You sang the song, you screamed. 
And so let's just kind of have a family meeting tonight and just talk about, realistically, if we want to take this expression, the mill, and we don't want to be content. It's easy to be content. It's easy for us to say, hey, we've got a room full of people. It's a big room full of people. Uh, a lot of people are celebrating us. There's been articles written about this community. Uh, there's a lot of praise in the city for what this group has done. And so realistically, you and I know that it would be tempting to just sit back and go, hey, we're good. I mean, let's just enjoy where we're at. But I believe that we are living in the early days of the God movement called the mill. This is not the full expression. This is not, hey, we've arrived. This is the early days of where God wants to take us. And so in order to do that, it means that the people that are sitting here tonight, you are a leader in a movement to reach the city. You are, put your name in the blank, you know, fill in the blank. Not, and I'm not talking theoretically. I mean, make it personal to you. You are a leader in God's movement to reach this city. And some of you like are like, dude, that's not me. You're like, wrong, good try. Take your little talk and go home because that's not me. I'm not a leader, never was a leader, never will be a leader. But let's just tonight talk about you. What if, what if you, what if you stepped into leadership in a way like you've never stepped? What if tonight, not in a moment, but over time, you developed a commitment to lead like you've never led. What would happen as we conclude tonight if all of us in the room, pretty big room, lots of people here, said we're going to lead with strength here and now in the things of God. We're going to be leaders. I believe that there are thousands of disillusioned 20-somethings in our city, that if there were leaders, like I'm going to talk about tonight, if there were leaders like that, they would have to face, they would have to, they'd be confronted with the true gospel. And many would come to faith. Many. I believe that there are many out there right now that if we were a living expression and with strength and with leadership, Embrace even awkward moments and difficult scenarios. If we led with strength, many who right now have very little knowledge of God, if we led with strength, they would come to Jesus. And a year from now, we would see a great harvest right here. We would see a greater harvest in this city. I believe that God wants to do far more than what we're seeing. I believe that you and I could be in the early days of a God movement right here. But we have to lead. Exodus chapter 33, I just want to read a little story here about Moses. Starting Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, uh, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So here's the story of Moses, the great leader. One of the great leaders we have in the word of God. He's, if you're familiar with Moses, he's the guy that... Um, as a baby, his parents put him in a little basket when Pharaoh was out to kill, went out to kill all of the one and two year old little baby, baby boys in uh, all the Hebrew baby boys in Egypt. And Moses was sovereignly saved and grew up in Pharaoh's house. And then Moses saw his people, his tribe going to sl- be in slavery. And one day he decided to go ahead and he actually 
saw as, as, a, as an Egyptian was, was beating one of the uh, Hebrew slaves. He went over and he, he actually killed the Egyptian. And then Moses went out into the desert, became a goat herder. And then God spoke to Moses and spoke to him in a burning bush and told Moses that he had a plan for his life. And I don't know how well you know the story, but Moses has a series of conversations with Pharaoh and Moses becomes the great leader that leads the people of God out of Israel into the promised land. And so I just want to highlight a few things. And there's probably so many more things that speak to the excellence of the deliverer (laughs) that speak to his excellence and leadership. But I think there's a few that we can look at tonight that if we look at them, they'll change us. Joshua, son of Nun, right there, is a young man when Moses shows up to confront Pharaoh. Now, it's interesting because most commentators, most historians think that Joshua was was born into Egyptian slavery, that he was born there. And so he was a young man when Moses came in and developed these uh, pleas, these conversations, these demands to Pharaoh. And so Joshua is a young guy. And I just want you to imagine what it's like if you're Joshua and you've been, you've been, you were born into slavery. And so you look around and your friends, your parents, I mean, the group that you hang with, they are in slavery. They are, they're, they're beaten often. They work for nothing. They, they, they have very little. And if you're Joshua and that's what you've grown up with and you're a young man and you're, you're watching as your tribe, your people are literally in slavery and some guy shows up named Moses. Imagine the day when a guy named Moses shows up and he literally goes and he confronts the most powerful man in the land. Imagine the camaraderie among the young men. Imagine the Joshua, Joshua and his buddies when they've lived under the burden of slavery. And all of a sudden, Moses comes out of the wilderness. He's got a, a, an assignment from God. He shows up to the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Now, inevitably, there's a lack of leadership in Joshua's father's generation. Inevitably, I mean, we know that in a two-year gap, every baby boy was killed. So there's a lot of, of men missing. I mean, this, you talk about a fatherless generation, Joshua probably has a whole lot less guys that are ready to rise up and lead. But Moses steps on the scene. He's the only, he's the only you know, Hebrew boy in that age group who lives in that era. I mean, it, all, all of that age group, one in two, two years, they all died except Moses. And so they see this guy, he comes in and he looks just like them, skin color. I mean, he's, he, he, he's, he's, he, he aligns, he's one of the Hebrew boys. And he shows up and he looks at Pharaoh. And we're talking about the guy who has kept you enslaved, your mom, your dad. I mean, hundreds of years ago, probably about 400 years ago, there was a story of a guy named Joseph who literally was awesome and was the second in command. And we, you know, the the Israelites came to Egypt because uh, of the way that God was taking care of the Israelite people. And there's a whole lot of rumors of a great legacy that your people have. But all that you know for generations is we've been slaves. And can you imagine the camaraderie? Imagine the enthusiasm, the excitement when a guy like Moses shows up and says to the Pharaoh, let my people go. He shows up and there's a series of different plagues. He shows up, goes, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. Moses goes, fine, we'll turn the rivers to blood. All of a sudden, poosh, the rivers are blood. If I'm Joshua, I'm like, ha, ah, that guy is the boy. That guy's a man. Moses comes back in, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. Moses goes, fine, frogs everywhere. Dude. I mean, Joshua and his buddies are like, this cat is cool. <laughs> Happens again. Let my people go. No, fine, gnats. Swatting them. 
Let my people go. No, fine. Livestock diseased. Let my people go. No, boils on the Egyptians. They're like, I love this guy, man. He's awesome. Let my people go. No, thunder and hail. Let my people go. No, locusts. Let my people go. Darkness everywhere. And finally, the last one is, let my people go. No, death to the firstborn, the Egyptian family, even the Pharaoh's son. If you're Joshua, no one confronts the Pharaoh. This is the one that has kept you in slavery. This guy Moses comes. I can guarantee you there's young men, young women that look at Moses. Something inside of them leaps, jumps, and goes, finally, finally, there's someone, power, strength. Of course, it's God's strength through Moses. But Moses is the vehicle that God's using. And I imagine those boys, they're just like excited. They're just looking at him like, this is the day. You know, he's Moses looking at Pharaoh in the face, kind of a mixture of, you know, John Wayne, Moses, Sean Connery, and and Benny Hinn, you know, just miracles. Like the best of all worlds, you know, just... Scratch the bidding hand part. I don't know what I'm talking about. So here's a guy. Shows up. I just imagine a whole generation. Hebrew kids going, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. So I think one of the first things we can see about Moses is Moses gets this assignment from God to lead. The burning bush. And Moses doesn't want to lead. I mean, Moses doesn't feel like he's gifted to lead. Moses looks at God and he's like, hey, you know, go get someone else. I don't know that I've got what it takes. And God says, no, I want you to do it. And so Moses leads. And one of the first things I want you to lock in with is when God calls you to lead, here's the first point, lead. Straight up. I mean, it's Just kind of that simple because the reality is none of us really feel qualified. Leaders aren't born, you know, not born a leader. Here's what happens for the Christian. God calls us and it's not that God looks around and goes, who are the qualified, you know, who are the ones that are gifted so that they can lead? No, God calls us. God calls all of us. And then he helps you, strengthens you, gives you gifts as you go. He doesn't look around and go, you know what? (sighs) Where are the leaders? Now, he calls us to be obedient. And leadership is influence. Every single one of you, you say yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You have influence. The question is not, are you leaders? To what level are you leading? Are you fulfilling what God's called you to? And the first thing is, when God says lead, I mean, Moses is like, all right, I'll lead. And Moses goes, and he doesn't feel like he's, you know, got the gifted verbal vernacular talent. He doesn't, he feels like a murderer because he is one. He feels like a goat herder because he is one. And he's going to go back into Egypt and talk to the Pharaoh. I can tell you, he feels intimidated. He feels like no way, no how. Surely you missed it, God. You should have called someone else. He feels exactly what all of us feel. When the Lord, when the Lord gives, puts a burden in your heart, and you, 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 you start to know in your heart, in your head, which things cause you to come alive and which areas he's called you to lead. None of us go, oh yeah, I'm ready to take on the world. All of us go, whoa, that's kind of a lot. I don't know if I've got the right relationships, the right money. I don't, I don't know. We had a, uh, an Inspire conference here a number of years ago and I don't know how many of you are there, but, but were there, but General Schwarzkopf spoke. And he was obviously one of the leaders in the war in uh, Iraq, Desert Storm. And um, he said this, he said, he said, when you're given a position of leadership, lead. And you and I, as we've 
said yes to, I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm going to give you everything. We've been given a position of leadership. From the disciples all the way down through our church history, when you step into, I'm going to follow Christ, God gives you a commission. He gives you gifts. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And you have the opportunity to lead. In whatever capacity, it's different. But what I have found, the great temptation for us is to sit back and, and instead of leading, is to sit back and marinate. I'm a chiller. I'm a marinator. What's up? <laughs> now, I know God's gifted me and I know God's called me and I know I have different avenues of opportunity, but I'm a little confused. Let me get everything alike. Let me get my finances right. Let me get my theological understanding right. Let me get my friends right. Make sure that I got the wife right. Let me make sure that I got all these things aligned. Got to get my finance right. Got to pay off all that. And then I'll lead wrong. Lead now. Lead strong. Lead now. Sometimes I feel like what we do in church world is... And I love church world. I mean, I'm in church world. <laughs> but, but one of the things that I've, I've noticed is sometimes what we do is we go, it's kind of like a, a plasma television and you've got your remote and you're like, sweet. Some people go to church that's boring. I got a church that's exciting. Yes, it's like a plasma. And I got my remote. And I'm, the way that I feel like I'm participating in the mission of Christ is not necessarily that I get off of my butt and go do something, but I turn on the plasma and I go, Aaron Stern, preach away. Oh, it's good. Glenn Packiam, preach, sing, blog, write, do everything a man on earth can do. And I mean, whoops. All right. Yeah. And, and, and do classes too. All right. Preach a sermon and then write a chapter and then sing a song about, I mean, the guy's so, anyway, well, go, entertain me, Glenn. Joe Kirkendall, come on, man. Make a funnier show. Last week was better. Come on. Entertain me. Come on. Hey, let me see who I can find on iTunes, what website. Let me watch other people do stuff. I'm a part of a church that's doing Elevate. I couldn't make it because, you know, I had a Mafia War, you know, video game I had to play that day. But... But isn't it cool that they did? Lead now. Great need if we're going to reach people in this city. You need to lead now. You can jump up. Lead strong. I don't care what your skills are. I don't care what you look like. Lead strong. Moses leads. Another thing that I love about Moses is that Moses leads with the power of God. Supernatural. Moses leads with the supernatural. One of the things that our generation is responding to is when, when there's real power in our lives, in our words, in our midst. It's very easy to pull back from the supernatural. You know, yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and miracles, I'm not sure that that's culturally cool. And so I'm going to be more of a, you know, drink coffee and just read my, you know, Logos Bible software kind of guy and not press for miracles. But when you look at Moses, can you imagine can you imagine if you're Joshua and his friend? And Moses comes in, 10 plagues, leads you out of Egypt. You get to the sea and all of a sudden, no further. And it's like, dang it. Back to slavery we go. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guy with the staff, the goat herder goes, and the water. And you're like, aha. promise you if you're Joshua and his boys you're like love that guy and you know when you really love that guy you walk through and then all of a sudden Pharaoh and his guys the guys that have kept you enslaved working I mean hard to try to keep their palaces clean 
And all of a sudden, they enter into the water, and, and Moses is like, you know, I don't know, it's kind of like the, like the witch, I don't know how he does it. Oh, it's probably the staff, that's probably right, sorry. All right. Something like that, and all of a sudden, the guys who have been keeping you enslaved are dead. You're like, yeah! I mean, you're like, dude, William Wallace, eat your heart out. Moses is the man. You know? There's a story in Exodus 17 where, where it's, called, it's a battle at Rephidim and, you know, the Israelites are fighting against the Amalekites. And Moses, when Moses' hands go up, then Joshua and his boys are winning. Joshua is the lead guy. And when his hands go down, they start to lose. It's a very intriguing story because it's, it's symbolic of Moses saying, God, you take this thing. And when his hands go down, all of a sudden they lose. They, they're up, they're winning. They're down, they're losing. They're up, they're winning. And if you're Joshua fighting on the battle and you're watching this and one moment you feel strong and you're just ripping it up and you could not be stronger and better and you're just mowing over them like they're Oompa Loompas. And then, <laughs> and then the next moment, Moses puts his hands down and all of a sudden you're losing to the Oompa Loompas and all of a sudden your friends, your friends are dying off and you're, there's something inside of you. You're like, get your hands up, Mo. You got the power of God on you, right? Right. And so what happens is there's a, a strength of going, I, I want to be, I want what he has. I want to be like that guy when they're supernatural. And the reality is, is that God is doing miracles in our generation. God is working supernaturally today. I got an email today from um, this morning. I got an email, a 19-year-old, and she said, uh, hey, just one of, your, one of your events, we prayed for my friend. Um, had cancer, um, was going through chemo. We all thought he was going to die. Um, but uh, lots of people prayed for him. Um, but I just wanted to tell you that he's 100% healed. And he's fine. And yeah, it's good. People that are living in that little swirl of friends right now, people that are hearing the stories of a guy that's getting healed, they're intrigued. God's got their attention. And kids that are 19 that are saying, we prayed for him and there's healing. They have the ear of the disillusioned, of the disinterested. There's intrigue. God is still doing stuff. And I want to encourage you as you lead others, believe for supernatural. Pray, pray for healings, pray for financial miracles, ask God to do stuff, relationships to be restored, forgiveness, things, things that it will take an all God story. There's some stories where you just look back and you go, it's just, it's just all God. As many stories as you believe for and press for and pray for, get, get some of those stories in your arsenal. In your wake, you'll find some Joshua's nipping at your heels. You'll find some, some people that maybe once believed that don't now, or maybe they've never come to faith. They'll be asking you stories. Another thing that's so obvious of Moses is Moses just straight up knows God. He just knows God. I mean, Exodus 32, he's talking with him. Exodus 33, he says he talks to him like a man, you know, talks to his friend, like the buds. I mean, this is the guy that he goes up on a mountain and all of a sudden God's talking to him, giving the Ten Commandments with his finger. He's writing things and they're writing letters to each other on stones. I mean, they're, they're like, Moses knows God. And when Moses goes into the tent... Moses is communing with God. Moses is talking with God. I can tell you why the young age Joshua, son of Nun, refused to leave the tent. I read one commentary where the guy said he did it to tidy up the tent. I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
I read another one that said, in case God came to talk to Moses while he was in the tent, but Moses wasn't there because he went back into the camp. There was, Joshua was there to intercept the message and deliver it to Moses. I thought that's the second dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah, God speaks to him on Sinai. God talks to him in the tent. God talks to him in bushes, but God might not be able to find him in the city. That's stupid, you know? That's retarded. I mean, you know, I wasn't too bright on my ACTs, but I can figure that out. I'll tell you why Joshua was in the tent. It's because Moses knew God. Moses talked to God. And Joshua wanted to be like Moses. Joshua saw a man that knew God. He goes, I want to know God like that. I want God to talk to me like that. I want to have an authentic relationship with God. That's what's going on. It's this, here is a leader and he knows God. He leads us through, you know, the sea. And he kind of helped us when we were hungry by bread falling down from the sky. And when we were thirsty, he tapped a rock and water came out. And when there needed to be law delivered, he went up, talked to God. He came back with it. This guy knows God. And when he talks to God, it's like God talks to him like a man talks with his friend. Ha! I want to know God like that. What's going on in Joshua is nothing short of here is Moses, the leader of the camp. And Moses knows God. And there's something in the heart of a young man that goes, and I want to know God like that. I'll tell you this, friends. If you will get to know God. If you will spend time with God, if you will fast and pray, have the scriptures alive in your heart and believe with authentic faith that God is doing stuff today. I'll tell you this, hundreds of disillusioned of the past will come out of the woodwork because they're going, what is it about you? And it's just authentic Christianity. I'm calling it leadership tonight. Because it's so dumbed down in our culture that people that believe that God talks and people that, you know, actually are fighting for the fullness of God in their generation. That's so countercultural. It's like leadership. Watchman Nee says it's the normal Christian life. But we're calling it leadership tonight because the, the, the bar has dropped so stinking low. Where Christianity means that we're moral and we go to church once a week. It's not it. But if there's some leaders, I want to know God like Moses knows God. I'm going to press. I'm going to know God. I promise you the Joshua's will come out. But yeah, you know, I used to go to this little uh, youth group thing. And, you know, there's a moment once where God answered my prayers. And I knew, no, 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 no. I'll forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Well, tell me, why are you so consumed with God? And what? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't believe I, I've had this wrong thing happen to me and this bad thing happened to me. And I have this intellectual complaint with the scriptures. And so because of those things, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic and I've chosen to not to believe. Hey, you know, the other day when you were praying for what, what, and how come, how come when you talk, there's such life and why do you have mission and purpose and life and joy? I promise you. be a series of conversations it's not that mystical it's just inevitable that someone someone at the starbucks someone in the class someone in the little group of friends has god on their tongue because they know him because it's real because it's not a religious thing that i do but it's a god that i know Oh, just talk to him like a friend. Well, (laughs) Jesus came and Jesus said, it's better that he goes away so I can commune with the Holy Spirit. And now Holy Spirit's inside of me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And there's life. Paul said it in Philippians 3. He goes, I want to know Christ. He's, he's, I mean, he's coming to the end. He's in a Roman jail. I mean, he's, he's, he's already met Jesus in Acts 9. Jesus spoke to him. Paul's already met Jesus. Paul's not saying, hey, you know, I remember when I knew God. No, no, no. Paul says, there's something inside of me, even in a Roman jail, when I'm about to face death. He goes, I want to know Christ today. I think this is popping out of Joshua when he's staying in the tents. He could have left. But I'll tell you this. When someone 
knows God. I mean, you get around them and there's just, you can just tell. I mean, Moses, when he left the mountain, his face radiated, like literally glowed, you know. I don't think any of you are going to literally glow. Maybe one of you, maybe two. Doubt it, but maybe. That'd be cool. And if it does, then we'll take a video and put it on YouTube. And Anyway, but... But not a, not necess- there's not necessarily like a physical glowing, but I'll tell you this. I, I, I've been around. I was just in L.A. with a Nazarene pastor. He had a, has a small church. And this guy, when I got around him, he's not, he's not, you know, like on TBN or writing big books or I don't know what, what the, he's, he's a pastor in L.A. I got around this guy. I think his church is about 100 people. I don't know, maybe 200 or three. I don't know. I got around this guy and the guy radiated. There was, there, this guy was just, I mean, it was just like conversation. I was, I was just like, I was just like, oh. I was asking him questions. I was asking him questions because you could tell he'd been with God. You could tell like Moses, he just, he'd been with God. There's a lot of sleeping, lethargic, near death, spiritual death Christians in our, in our worlds that when we are alive to God and we know God and their influence will lead others and their influence will lead others. This is the beginning of what God wants to do. This is not the culmination. Fill in the theater on Friday nights is not the culmination. This is the early days of the mill revival movement. This is the early days of a move of God. But we got to lead. We got to lead with strength. It's going to be difficult. Here's another one. Moses actually crushes idols. One of my favorite stories. Let me just read this to you. It's out of Exodus 32. Uh, after being up on a mountain, Aaron and the people make this calf. All right? So they make a calf. And it's kind of a funny story because um, Aaron says... Yeah, this, <laughs> we threw this stuff in and this calf just came out. You know, it's, it, I find it funny. But uh, so Exodus 32, verse 19, look, look at this. It came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger burned and he threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf, which they had made, so they, this is like their gold. This is their stuff, all right? This is like, this isn't Moses. This is their stuff, right? He took the calf, which they had made, and burned it with fire and ground it to powder. Ticked off Moses. I mean, some people would be like, guys, get rid of that. Just, I don't know. Just go take it in the, in the woods somewhere. Go bury it. No, no, not Moses. Burn it. Grind it to powder. And scattered it over the surface of the water. And here it is. Get this. Burns it. He's ticked. Burns the, uh, the idol. Got that? Grinds it to powder. Scatters it over the water. Then he gets the boys that helped do this thing. And made the sons of Israel drink it. This is leadership 404, because this is tough stuff right here. Look at Moses. He comes down mad as fire. He's a ticked off old man. He comes down off the mountain, and they're like, yeah, we made a calf. Who cares? No big deal. We had these calves back in Egypt. And Moses goes, huh? No. No way. No calves in this house. Set it on fire, grind it to powder, throw it in the water, then get some cuffs and make those suckers drink it. I'm going to teach you boys a lesson. (laughs) Here's what's going on. Moses is like, in this house, as far as it's under my leadership, we're going to have no idols. Crush it. Now drink it. (laughs) Here's, Here's the problem. Do you know what we do in our little, and I'm not talking about church. I'm just talking about in our little environments because we don't want to offend anybody. You know, people got calves everywhere and we, and, and, and we don't, we don't develop this rage toward the idols in our culture. You know what we do? We look at it. And we don't want to offend them. So we just take their little calf and we just try to make their calf relevant. And we write a blog about how we should be sensitive to the calf. How maybe we should use the calf. 
Maybe we should present the calf in a different way. I'm telling you, friends, if we're going to lead, man, where are the people that just straight up stand up and say, no, no, materialism is an idol and I will not have it. Lust is an idol and we will not tolerate it. Greed pervades everywhere and not in this house. And rage is the common thing. And we're not going to do that. And narcissism and it's all about you. Not in this. I'm telling you, if you and I will lead with strength and crush idols instead of embrace them and pet them and pretend like we like them, if we will crush them, if we'll have this rage where we come off the mountainside and we've been with God, we're like, no, 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 I'm not going to tolerate it in my life. No, me and this Bible study or me and this group or whatever this thing is. I, no, no, if we'll have that, the world will start to see a peculiar people. The disillusioned will say, oh, maybe you are not just walking through, you know, the religious hokey pokey and doing a little dance. Maybe there is something real and authentic that you're willing to give your life for. And there will be many, many. So tell me more. I'm interested. What is it about you? Here's the last one. Moses chose to forego Egyptian luxury to obey God. So Moses, interesting, you know, that Moses, um, he grows, because the, the princess brought him, brought him into the palace, he, he, he grew up in the palace. So he could have embraced just being, you know, the Egyptian wealth and all that, but he chose to be identified with the slave tribe, with the Hebrew people and let me just read it to you because the writer of Hebrews mentions it. He says it in Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24. He says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than, and here it is, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. And by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He he persevered because he saw him him who is invisible. One of the intriguing things in our culture is that everybody's everybody's wealthy. And I know right here and right now, everybody's like, not me, dude, no way. Listen, the the way that you live today is, is... far greater than the richest of kings in terms of water and electricity and technology and all that a hundred years ago. I mean, we, we in America, the, the, the poorest live with a lot. One of the things that it's so easy for you and I to do is to put on this banner of, I prayed a prayer and I'm done when when Jesus has called us to sacrifice and be identified with the lowly and give much. And I believe we have a world, we have friends in Briargate, you have friends, you know, out near at UCCS campus, where when we voluntarily forego, go out with some legitimate things we could have as Americans for the sake of others, of the slaves, of the hurting. Then it creates conversation about what is it about you? Yes, we crush idols. And yes, we radiate. We know God likes different for us. But when there's a practical expression of you spend your time and your money, the resources that you have in an altogether different way because of Christ in you, the hope of glory, because of you know God, then there's intrigue. I've found it just last weekend, uh, weekend with Desperation. For years, we've been doing the Desperation event. There's a tribe of people that get excited about it. I have found this whole new tribe of people that have always just kind of shrugged their shoulders like, cool, when on Saturday night, uh, took an offering spontaneously, and the teenagers gave you know $16,000 towards an orphanage. I have found people this week, ears perk up like, Really? Why? Because there's something about teenagers are going to go without something, a snack, a t-shirt, a weird trucker hat, you know, like, (laughs) 
They'd forgo anything for others. And as we as Christ followers, if we'll embrace that, if, if you and I will embrace giving our lives away, living on less, giving our dollars away in a real way, maybe even, I'm not talking about legalistic holiness where you do it to prove something, but out of the evidence of grace and the evidence of God in you, there are some legitimate things that you just go, I'm just not into that. I could, but I got, I got a mission. I got a one that I love. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule and reign with him for thousands of years. And I just, I, I got too much on my plate in terms of eternity and God to waste my days or my time in this fashion or this fashion, then there's something that glows about you as a leader. You become a leader. You can have no giftedness. You can have no, I mean, nothing cool about, but if you're on mission for Jesus and you're willing to forego some legitimate things because you've got a God that you love and he's given you a mission. And so you just, by nature of being full throttle for him, there's things you just don't have time and money for. Like, like for others, there will be something peculiar about you and people will go, what is it? Talk to me. Tell me your story. Tell me about God. Tell me about these things. And I'm not saying that it happens in 24 hours, but as, as weeks turn into months, months turn into years, there's craving and a longing that lives in the heart of every person that when they see someone like that, that knows God, that crushes idols, that they're, t- they're talking about God's activity in our midst, the supernatural. They lead with strength, even when it's uncomfortable. They confront things. Most people back off because I just don't want an uncomfortable moment. You, you will lead your generation. Embrace these things. If you do this for just five years, if you do this for five, you'll wake up five years from now and you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at the level of leadership on your life. You just do these things for five years. You'll look back and go, no way. What? Lost people are interested. Christians are coming out of the woodwork. Who knew? I woke up and I'm leading A, B, and C. No way. I'm just like kid that, you know, dropped out of Pikes Peak Community College a few years back. You know, like how did this happen? God will use you today. You don't need if we're going to reach our generation, we don't need some pacifists that smile and are sweet, that are cute, warm pews on Friday nights, and wink at girls in the back. You know what we need? Man, we need people that live like Moses, that lead like this. We'll, we, will, we will see a move of God right here in the colleges, the businesses, right here, right now. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you. If, if tonight you go, count me in. This, I'm in. I, I want, maybe you're a level three leader and you're like, by God's grace, not by your own striving, but Holy Spirit inside of you, you're realigning with mission. You go, I'm in. I, I, want, I want the fullness of what God wants to do. I want to lead. If that's you, will you just raise your hand? I want to just pray for you. Just keep them up. Stay right where you're at. I'm not going to make you come down here, give you a track or anything. Just keep them up. There you go. I want to just pray for you. Father, we come before you tonight. And we are not content. We're thankful. But we are not content with where we're at. God, we want so much more for this city. God, there are so many broken people out there that need you. So we tonight, with our hands raised, we just say, let us be authentic, real, passionate young men and women that lead. We've taken on your name. We've said yes to the finished work of the cross. We've said, count us in. And tonight we say, God, help us to lead like you've called us to lead. 
God, we just, we need your strength. God, on our own and just gritting our teeth and say, hey, we're going to try again. We won't get anywhere. But God, by your grace and your strength and your power and your spirit, God, we know, Lord Jesus, that you will grant us new mercies every morning. God, that you'll help us to be the leaders that you've called us to be. Oh, God, would you do it? God, would you take the broken, the hurting, the average like us, the way that you used fishermen and tax collectors to transform a planet. God, use us. Count us in tonight. Use us. Students and Starbucks workers and nurses and businessmen and real estate agents and freshmen in college and interns. God, all of us, Lord Jesus, we just say we're in. We don't want to relent. We don't want to give up. We don't want to slow down. We don't want to settle for a second. Have your way, God. Have your way in this community of faith. Let the mill be a shining light in this city. God, let these be the early days of a movement of which no man could take credit but Christ himself. No band, no preacher, no pastor, no leader, no organizer, but Jesus alone, God. Have your way in the city, God. We love you, Jesus.